Hi, welcome to the Flower Podcast. I'm Nikki Christensen. I'm long overdue to actually give you an update. I promised in December that I would do a podcast on the import situation here in Australia because it was causing a lot of concern for a lot of people. And my plan to actually sit down with some of the key players in that area hasn't come off yet, although I have actually individually spoken to three key players, but I just wasn't able to get them on a podcast at the time because it was uh, one was in a busy um, setting in the markets where I spoke to Seoul, the Secretary of the New South Wales Flower Growers, um, and the other two settings were actually in airport lounges uh, with two big importers um, as well and one major chain store supplier wholesaler. So I'd like to give you a report back on the overall feedback and to keep the conversation going because it is an important one. Now for those of you that are not sure what the issues are, let me just do a quick recap. In the 1st of March last year in 2018, the um, quarantine department, which is not called quarantine anymore, it's Department of uh, Agricultural Water Resources, DAWA, uh, there was a change brought in that basically eliminated a voluntary fumigation on arrival. And it dictated that all product had to be uh, pest-free or treated at point of origin and devitalized. Now, whilst that sounds logical, it creates immense problems because quite often um, pests will be picked up in transit. That happens. Uh, and also they, for whatever reason, could possibly fail the inspection here when they arrive on shore. Now, if a perishable product has already been fumigated, to fumigate it again is almost certain death. So... The ability to sustain the product with multiple fumigations is just horrible and it's not going to work. So then uh, the other challenge was that the gases that they recommend uh, to be used, methyl bromide, Australia is one of the last countries using it. So the key import areas like Kenya, uh, I believe it was Bogota and Colombia, I'm not sure about Ecuador and Quito. Uh, they don't use the gas because it's been outlawed there. Now, the problem with that is the gases that they use only knock out 51 of the 52 bugs that we want to knock out here in Australia. So the whole thing um, is a bit of a challenge. And we start the conversation by saying that biosecurity is always non-negotiable. We all agree that we have a beautiful country and we want to keep it that way. But the question or concern is why there is such a rigid framework in place that doesn't allow... Uh, common sense and also the ability to fumigate on arrival because it actually seems like a much better process um, and with a much better result. On this issue you tend to have uh, three camps. You've got the importers on one side um, who obviously want to import as much as they can because they've built good businesses around that. You've got the local flower growers on the opposing opposite side uh, who are quite upset because they feel like that importers have been getting away with flaunting the import rules for years um, and it's been putting the Australian flower growers in a poorer position for it. And then you've got people like me in the middle who sort of look at both sides, can sympathise with both sides and go, well, hang on, we're talking about commercial realities, we're talking about people's livelihoods. It's a billion dollar industry, $1 billion here in Australia. So we really need to make sure that we uh, carry on with level head and with a sense of urgency to make sure that everybody can continue on uh, sustaining their livelihood. Now, one thing that we have to really talk about, which always comes up, is the parochialism and the support for Australian flower growers. Now, nobody in their right mind would argue against an Australian flower grower uh, growing well, uh, earning a lot of money and selling their products for a premium price. 
the reality is there is only probably two sort of handfuls of Australian flower growers that can consistently um, push out the volume and quality required for people to actually make a commercial go of the flower business. Most of the other producers would fall into the almost hobby category. Now again, that can sound horrible if you're a flower grower. Again, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I'm just trying to paint the picture for people that don't really know what the flower industry looks like in Australia. We have good local producers, sure, uh, but we also have a lot of local producers that produce the same thing as everybody else. So it's a volume game, which has turned into a commodity game, and it's a race to the bottom on price. I mean, some things are the same price like they were 15 years ago, and that is just not sustainable. Local growers, many of them have exited uh, the growing areas um, and the market because they've sold up for residential real estate value. The kids didn't want to take over the businesses. They saw how hard mum and dad worked. So they went, you know what, screw this, I'm out. Uh, and they sold up and they've cashed in that way. The argument that imports have killed Australian flowers, there's got to be partial truth to it because if you're competing with a product that is as good as, as or if not better, um, whether it's the same price or not, then that is going to put pressure on your supply, whether you're local or not. Now, the really good imported product is actually better than what's available locally. Um, the average imported product is worse than what's available locally. So there's an even spread on all the areas. So you can't pluck an argument to go, oh, imported products uh, take uh, leverage a dollar a day labor, so therefore it's unfair in the Australian producer. If you look at it with such a narrow view, then you would be forgiven if you were thinking, well, oh yeah, you know, if it's only a dollar a day in labor, then of course our local growers can't compete. Again, that's not the reality because when you then look at, well, yes, they've got lower labor costs in some of these countries where these flowers come from, but they also have sustainability issues. They also have the pressure to make sure they're looking after their workforce. So they're not a dollar sweatshops anymore, have been in the past, but remember, it's still around about a $5 US a kilo rate to get product to Australia because we are a long way away from anywhere and from the rest of the world. So when you look at the freight rate to get something here, I mean, heaven forbid um, you're talking about white goods or TVs that comes by ship, but everything's flown in when it comes to flowers. So $5 a kilo for that, plus the importation costs uh, on arrival, which is a minimum of about $2,000, I think, at the rough guess when you look at the costings involved. You've really got to start uh, doing some serious volume and then trying to make a margin of 15 to 30% uh, on top. It's not a rosy picture, is it? It's not the picture that you're always sold that all the importers are driving around in beamers living on the, foresh the, the North Shore and um, absolutely creaming it and sticking it to the local Australian flower growers. They really aren't. But then you sympathise... Um, because then you have an argument of, uh, say, a local rose grower here in Queensland. Um, they've had disease hit their crop and they've wiped out most of their crop for Valentine's Day. And that's horrible, right? Now, that disease, um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but the conversation around it was that that disease had come in um, off something else, uh, off a fruit and vegetable um, importation and that was catastrophic for them. So the, the, the risks we're talking about are real to biosecurity. And again, no one's discounting that. But I think we have to make a decision and go, well, do we trade in the world economy or don't we? Are we going to allow imports or are we not? Because at the moment, you can't really build a business either way. The local Australian flower growers 
can't afford to invest in infrastructure because they don't feel that they have a market that they can sell to. Now, again, they're blaming imported products for that. I actually have a different spin on that. The industry in Australia is slowly declining because the volume channels are selling more and more flowers. And again, the volume bouquet makers, they can't get the locally supplied flowers that they need, so they have to sell imported products. Flower consumption is diminishing from what I can see through my own business channel and from the uh, people that I speak with. So to me, the retail flower industry in Australia has an identity crisis. It actually has a problem where it can't differentiate itself and win the hearts and minds of the consumer. So the consumer will only buy flowers if they trip across them. They trip across them in the supermarket, so they're going to buy from that range, and that's it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's a lot of parts to this conversation. There's a lot of parts to the argument of imports are ruining Australian growers' markets. On just a single statement, you could agree. But if you look at the whole picture, you, you can't just draw that simplistic conclusion. So there's a working group that's basically working with Dewa to say, listen, Dewa, sorry, to say, we need to be able to import, we need to be able to voluntarily fumigate, um, and we also need an entomologist that works normal business hours Monday to Friday, not just 9 till 3.30, which is like four-day week. I mean, it's ridiculous. Are we playing in the world economy or not? Uh, for those of you who don't know, entomologists around Australia um, working for the department are only on call from about, I think it's 8.30 till 3.30, Monday to Friday. And heaven forbid if you want to try and get someone to do any overtime on the weekend. So the um, importation regulators only work Monday to Friday. So everything stops on a Saturday, Sunday. Now that's complete rubbish. It's not a world economy, it's a backyard economy. But yeah, I mean my business works seven days, so I don't know why the government can't. Anyway. So the wrap-up to try and channel where is this going is great ambiguity. Uh, everything's in limbo. Many shipments are being destroyed because they fail the inspection here on shore. And also, the point-of-origin countries are very, very scared because the department has said to them, hey, if you send anything that we pick up uh, that fails inspection here, we will actually ban imports from your country. So... Can you imagine the pressure that they're feeling in the agricultural departments throughout the world? Now, that's fair enough because we want clean product coming to Australia. We don't want um, disease-riddled products. So I'm good at sort of being strong and saying this is what we expect as a standard. But how to achieve that with light to being commercially real and also protecting Australia and making sure that our biosecurity is intact? It's a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard job. But that's what's happening right now. The deadline, um, 31st of January, has come and gone. I remember I put out a piece uh, saying, well, in theory, imported roses could be banned for Valentine's Day. I copped an absolute pillaring from people online saying that I was clickbaiting, etc. But the reality was that if the department had decided that they wanted to do that, they could have. They have every power to do it. So these are real issues. Um, no point in being alarmist about them, but we need to have the conversations and more people need to get involved. Everyone's just sort of ticking along going do 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 To give you an idea, if imported products stopped tomorrow, I would instantly lose 40% of my revenue um, through the sale, sales revenue channel. So, and I'm a sort of a, a small to medium sized wholesaler. You can imagine some of the bigger wholesalers and the importers. Now again, we've got 30 families attached to our business that our business looks after. That's just immediate team members. And then, of course, we've got 100 growers that it supports and 300 customers that it supports. So about 500 people um, get some sort of support and sustenance out of the business that we have. Now, 
what would happen if we disappear and we go by the wayside because all of a sudden imports stopped? Again, I'm not trying to flog a message that imports being banned, but these are all the things that people think about. It's the things I think about. And I go, hmm, okay, let's say imports stop. Great, no imports. What then? How do I source flowers locally to fill the demand that we have now? There's not enough being produced. So to start production, you can't just turn a tap on and have production next month. I spoke to a local crizzy grower in Tasmania, Vaughan. I said, Vaughan, uh, import crizzies have given you a bit of a caning in the local market, but what would you do if imported crizzies ceased? Would you increase? And he would say, oh, I would have the confidence to build more igloos and to increase, but I would still have the challenges of trading in the local market with ongoing sales and trends and fashion trends. So again, the market is still the market doesn't matter where the products come from, whether they're imported or local.